Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you on a cold day in the capital city. Um, it is going to be uh, a lot of fun tonight. Uh, Trent, I got I, I got a kick out of watching some of the game last night with Iowa State, and the outcome of that one was pretty predictable. I mean, we both figured that. But with what Iowa State has and what they have possibly coming back to that roster when the suspensions are up, uh, particularly in Cameron Lard. Uh, Wigington still is not due maybe till near the end of the month of December to get back in. Um, I'm, I think Iowa State right now is uh, hitting pretty much on all cylinders, and it'll be interesting to see now what Prome has to do, the head coach of the Cyclones, in order to get guys back and start to get them minutes and how he's going to now shuffle up his offensive sets. Yeah, it looks like they're going to get the two guys back off of suspension and Cam Lard and Zaron Talley. Both those guys be available for their game. Their next game coming up Monday against North Dakota State. They did what they needed to do. They dominated Omaha. Good to see that one. Halliburton played well. How about my guy Terrence Lewis? He played well off the bench again. And it's going to be a difficult component here now for Steve Prome figuring out how you divvy up these minutes when you get lard back, what you do inside. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them play incredibly effectively going small ball. How often do you see Jacobson and lard playing together? Let, let's start right there, Jimmy B. I want to get your perspective okay. on this. Those two guys, is it you play them three minutes a half together and then the other times each of them are, are splitting up the 40 minutes at the center position? Do you do that? Do you think Jacobson and Lard can play effectively together for long stretches? I think they can, Trent, but the matchups will predict that. In other words, they're going to have to be matched up against a team that has like two six eight six nine players on the court at the same time. Uh, otherwise, I, I think they will be changing in and out. Um, I think you will see, even if they're playing small ball a little bit, I think you might see those two guys out for a stretch of three to five minutes just to see if they can uh, dominate down low on the block, which they should if they're playing against a team that is playing small ball. And I think that's going to be one of the interesting scenarios. Uh, Michael Jacobson is just playing his ass off. There's no question about that. He played limited minutes last night and still had a double-double, 13-10. and 10. Um, Look, they're only scratching the surface with this kid. We know what Lard can do. Uh, he is so effective around the basket. And I, I think that that will be one of Steve Prohm's biggest, uh, I think, things to figure out, and the coaching staff for that matter, is how he can be effective with those two guys and if he can leave them on the court for any length of time throughout the game. And once again, uh, you and I always talk about matchups dictate uh, what coaches do, particularly in college basketball, and I think that's going to be the most difficult decisions then that Prome is going to have to make. And then you throw in Solomon Young into the mix, and it looks like he'll be ready yes. You know, middle, late December, he'll be back out there. There's another big that you throw into the mix. Of course, Wigington, when he gets back. Now, it does sound like he won't be available for the Iowa game coming up a week from Thursday. He's not going to be ready more like middle of December before Wigington will be back coming off that foot injury. But, Jim, it is difficult trying to figure out where you divvy up those minutes. Like I said, Halliburton has been a huge surprise, I think. And we heard a lot conversation Mm -hmm. about him coming into you know during the summer and more and more that he was going to be a guy 
that they were going to expect to be able to give them minutes, but what happens to his minutes when they get those guys back? And it just so many factors here. Steve Prohm, certainly at Iowa State, has never had anything like this. He has never had this kind of depth for a football team, right. a basketball team, excuse me. A basketball team, yeah. No, I read you loud and clear. Um, I was just going back to Hoiberg's years there. He had some depth. It wasn't just five guys. He could go seven or eight deep, Hoiberg could, uh, at times. Look, I remember when Matt Thomas was coming off the bench uh, under Hoiberg. So, look, there that 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 did indeed take, take place when he was there. This, in, in your estimation... I know when Prome took over that he still had Niang and he got Monte Morris and, you know, I mean, he got players. But since those guys have gone, this is far and away Prome's best team. Uh, don't you agree with that? With a chance to really do something special? Well, this is his deepest team. I don't know if it's his best team, but it is certainly his deepest team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And even the Hoiberg teams, like you said, they, they go seven, eight deep. This Iowa State team, think of them when they have a full complement of players, a full right. roster. Let's just count it up here for a second. All right, you ready here? These are guys yeah. that, that can all play 10-plus minutes at the very least. Wyler Babb, Cam Lard, Mariel Shayok, Lindell Wigington, Talon Horton-Tucker, Michael Jacobson, Tyrese Halliburton, Zeron Talley, mm-hmm. Terrence Lewis, Solomon Young, that's 10 guys right there. That's they've, 10 guys, yeah. They, they've never been 10 deep, even going back to the Hoiberg time. Never 10 deep where you feel good about it. And even if you cross, cross off Terrence Lewis, I don't think they've ever been 9 deep with guys that all of them, mm-hmm. at the very least, take Lewis off. Let, let's go with the 9. Okay. All of those guys, certainly you would expect to play 15 minutes plus a game. Yeah, look, those are quality players. Uh, they're going to play in a quality league in the Big 12. And uh, this is going to be real interesting. Look, if if they can figure out how to, A, share minutes, B, share time together with some frontline players on the court at the same time, and make that happen over the course of the next 20 games or so, this team is going to be dangerous. I, I mean really, really dangerous because they got guys that can shoot it, they got guys that can run. They got guys that can defend. They have guys that can rebound. So all of the key components that you're looking for, Iowa State will indeed have that. And they don't have Wigington back yet until, like we mentioned, maybe near the end of December. And he's their best player, Trent. He is their best player. It's exciting. It's also concerning in different ways, too. Yeah. Just how this is all going to play out. But a good one, certainly, no doubt. A good place to be. If you are Iowa State, all right, Jim. Also, last night we uh, well we saw a big upset. Oregon loses to Texas Southern. What an awful, yeah. awful loss that was for the Ducks, and and one of the big wins for Iowa. But Monday Night Football, you were entertained last night, Jimmy B. I loved every minute of it. Look, I I've seen teams make big runs, and we checked this yesterday. Uh, I think the Texans now have officially set an NFL record after losing their first three. They have now won eight straight. Where are you now on Deshaun Watson? Because, to me, he now looks like the quarterback that he did last year before he got hurt. He's becoming more, uh, uh, I guess he's, he's becoming more fearless. He's not afraid now, Trent, to take off and, and make, a, make a move or scramble behind the line of scrimmage and then throw the pass 
And I, I just think now with that defense that Houston has, this is a team that is, is really going to start to make some serious noise uh, in the NFL. I'm not there. I, I still look at this team, and I, I wonder eight consecutive victories, how they've done it. It's smoke and mirrors at time. I'm I'm not enamored with this Houston team. I mean, do you anticipate this is a team that's going to, I don't know, go on the road and beat Kansas City, go on the road and, and beat the, the Patriots? I don't see that. They're fine. They're going to end up winning 11, 12 games, but I don't yeah. see this team as any kind of threat in the AFC. Do you? I do. I do. Yeah, I can I can see that. I just think that you know how you get when you get that confidence builder and things are going in the direction that you want them to go. I, I just think that that is a, a real possibility. Now, will it happen? Well, we don't know that. But I just watching them last night and their effectiveness with what they were able to do. And I think now that you're going to see Deshaun Watson even given more opportunities to make plays just because of his confidence level and the way that it has uh, risen throughout the course of this season. And now you, now he, I think he feels that he is finally back to himself after watching that game last night. And I think that'll make a big difference. And look, we know that they can put heat on quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So if you're one of those teams that you mentioned and you're just a little suspect on that offensive line, good enough offensive line to maintain against most teams. But when you got J.J. Watt and Javadian Clowney, all those guys bearing down on you at the same time, Trent, that's trouble. That's trouble for an opposing QB. Oh, there's no doubt. You're right on on that one, Jim, and it's going to be certainly a fun one. Uh, keep an eye on this, and we will continue uh, taking a look around the NFL. Kansas City Chiefs football after the bye week. They'll be back this week. No Chiefs uh, Blitz show this week, though, with Mitch Holtis. After the bye week, we'll be back at it starting Sunday, though, with the play-by-play and the Chiefs continuing here on 1700 The Champ. We're going to get a timeout when we come back on the other side. We got lots more to dive into here today on the college basketball front. We'll take a deep dive into the Big Ten ACC Challenge with Scott Phillips. We'll talk about the start from Iowa and Iowa State, get his perspective of that. Also, a look at the MVC. We'll do that and a whole lot more as we continue here. Scott Phillips from NBCSports.com. We'll wrap things up with a little tube talk, take a look at what we're looking at tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. On 1700 The Champ. 1700 The Champ with the DA Show. Every weekday from 8 to 11 a.m. Damon Amadalora keeping it real with a twist. Hey guys, Trent Condon here from 1700. You've been hearing me for a couple of months talk about New Leaf Wellness. I'm on a couple of programs helping me lose weight and it has worked outstanding for me. The two treatment programs that I'm on right now, the GAC and the MIC, helping me with my energy levels, weight loss, increasing muscle tone. It's worked wonderfully for me. New Leaf Wellness has a lot of different programs they can help with guys out there. Low testosterone, maybe you're battling migraines, looking to lose weight, or maybe you just hit a plateau in your workout system. New Leaf Wellness can help you like they've helped me. What I want you to do, give them a call today, 
1358. At 650-1358. Give them a call. Let's feel better together. New Year right around the corner. This New Leaf Wellness. 650-1358. On behalf of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention Iowa Chapter, thank you for your support in 2017. The Central Iowa Out of Darkness Walk at Ankeny's DMAC campus raised over $75,000. These funds allow our local volunteers to create and maintain support groups for those who have lost someone to suicide. Implement education programs in colleges and high schools to prevent suicide and advocate for new legislation to strengthen mental health care in Iowa. Please check AFSP.org slash Iowa for more information on our 2018 fundraising events, including campus walks and out-of-darkness walks across Iowa. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Iowa Chapter, online, AFSP.org slash Iowa. Tis the season to gather together at Montana Mike's Steakhouse. Montana Mike's has great specials going on this holiday season. With $2 margaritas, hand-breaded chicken fried New York strip, or even the prime rib, only available on Friday and Saturday evenings, and much more. And don't forget to grab gift cards this season for friends and family. Take advantage of these great specials and enjoy the regular menu too. You can count on Montana Mike's for carryout, catering, banquet, and party needs. Whether it's a small gathering with family and friends or a full-blown feast for a large group this holiday season, let Montana Mike's do the cooking. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Montana Mike's for lunch or dinner any day of the week. Montana Mike's has two great locations, just north of I-80 on Northeast 14th in Des Moines and on Highway 14 in Newton. Montana Mike's. Montana Mike's is this week's sweet deal. Get $50 worth of Montana Mike's gift certificates for only $25. There's a limited number and they're sure to go fast. So get yours Friday morning at 9 at this station's website under the Sweet Deals tab. Are you interested in starting a new franchise? You can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa to help with your franchise law needs. Rush Niggin with Brick Gentry Law PC provides law services for those involved in starting a new franchise. Find more information online at rushonbusiness.com where Rush Niggin can assist you in buying or starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school football season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry Law PC and Rush Niggin. You just get it through the experience. I'm a fan of a lot of our fast, casual cuisine. I love the theater and the shopping. My kids love to go to the parks. There's a lot going on musically. If you can't find things to do in Des Moines, you must be boring. This is a magical place. Don't miss out. Visit CatchDesMoines.com and plan your getaway to Greater Des Moines. Catch what you've been missing. This year, it's our year. No, no, no. This year, it's my team. Yeah, this is the year. This season, everyone is going to know where I'm tailgating. My team, my colors, my flag. Hello, it's why I fly the flag. This is the year you fly the colors of your favorite team. And you'll find those colors at Heartland Flagpoles and Flags, the largest selection of team flags anywhere. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Buy online and get free shipping. Heartlandflags.com. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind, and our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. 
You're invited to experience great customer service and incredible deals at Billion Buick GMC in Clive. Our reviews say it all. I didn't feel pressured. It was a very smooth process. Our salesman came in on his day off. Now that's going above and beyond. People also appreciate the huge inventory, including the incredible all-new 2019 GMC Sierra. You're invited to Billion Buick GMC in Clive or BillionAuto.com slash GMC. We are professional grade. Real sports talk for real sports fans. It's Jimmy B and TC. Here's Jim and Trent. Welcome back. Jimmy B and TC continues here on 1700 The Champ as we are welcomed in by our next guest. Joining us right now, Scott Phillips, NBCSports.com. A look around college basketball and a whole lot more. Scott, good afternoon to you. ACC Big Ten Challenge already underway Feast week in the books, a good time to be a college basketball fan. Yeah, we've had a lot of really fun early season matchups so far. We had the Duke versus Gonzaga saga go down in Maui. We had Kansas play Tennessee already. We had the Champions Classic. So people who complain about college basketball not having a lot of marquee games haven't been paying attention so far because we just had two top five matchups in the last week. Let's go back before we go forward and go back to that Gonzaga-Duke game. After the start that Duke was on, Zags were not completely at 100%. I know there are questions about that. Was it surprising at all to you, and is it a blueprint now, kind of going forward about this is the way that you need to go out there, this is what you need to do to have a chance to compete against the Blue Devils? I don't think it was necessarily surprising, guys. People that put this uh, undefeated season label on Duke was maybe a little bit unfair because we've seen a lot of freshman teams in the past get tripped up, and this is no different. This is a veteran Gonzaga team with Final Four aspirations, uh, and we saw a star player, a potential player of the year in Rui Hachimura, really step up his play and look like the potential lottery pick that some NBA scouts believe he might be. So, you know, this Gonzaga team's got balance. They've got the athleticism and the offensive capabilities to match wits with Duke. And I think that's really the blueprint to success against Duke is you have to match their firepower and be able to get some timely stops once they hit you back. Were you surprised that uh, on the uh, poll that Gonzaga leapfrogged Kansas, or did you vote it that way yourself? No, I think Gonzaga deserved to be number one. Everybody believed Duke to be number one. Uh, Gonzaga beat them in a neutral setting, and, you know, a at times against some opponents like Marquette, where they were trailing uh, by nine at the end of the first half. So I think Gonzaga's been the better team. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that Kansas hasn't lost themselves, and that holds some merit, but... I think ultimately Gonzaga's body of work in winning a very difficult Maui Invitational and dethroning the previous number one in Duke has more merit than Kansas does at this point. So uh, to the ACC Big Ten Challenge, last night we start with Nebraska getting a win on the road against Clemson. How good of a victory is that? I watched their game earlier this season a week or so ago against Texas Tech. Uh, Miles' team did not look very good that night against that uh, Red Raider outfit with what Chris Beard has been able to do, resurrecting that program. But your thoughts on the Cornhuskers, and how important is that victory for them going forward? I think that's a gigantic win for Nebraska. You look at a team that barely missed the NCAA tournament last season, and one of the reasons why was their soft scheduling and their inability to win true road games against marquee opponents. And 
to be able to win a game at Clemson, a team that made the Sweet 16 last season, is a sign of maturity for this Nebraska program. And they already really knocked off Seton Hall at home. They've now defeated Clemson on the road. And they get some more opportunities to get some more marquee wins here to help stabilize their NCAA tournament hopes. And as long as they perform up to speed in the Big Ten, which many expect them to do so, I think that we're looking at Nebraska having to make the NCAA tournament at this point, as long as they don't bottom out and have any bad losses to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. Uh, this evening we have uh, Iowa and Pittsburgh. Your your thoughts on that, and have you seen a definite change from last year for Iowa in the way that they now play defense to this year? I've definitely been impressed with Iowa's start defensively. We've talked about that and hearts about that on this show plenty of times, guys. And this looks like a team that at least has bought into the fact that they need to have stretches of sustained excellence on defense in order to really punctuate what their offense is capable of. And we've seen what I was capable of so far in getting those marquee wins over Oregon and UConn. Maybe not as impressive as we had hoped with the Oregon's loss last night to Texas Southern, but I think that this Iowa team overall is very talented and trending towards the NCAA tournament. And, you know, they're going to face a young Pitt team tonight that has an undefeated record themselves and just came off a really nice win over St. Louis. But this is a team facing a lot of, uh, you know, difficulties in that they're having a lot of freshmen that they're going to play early. And I don't know if these freshmen are necessarily ready for a game of this uh, caliber against a top 25 team like Iowa who's really scoring the ball at a high level. So I think it could be close for a bit, but I think Iowa should be favored here quite a bit. And they are currently a 12-point favorite in that one. Pitt Mm -hmm. off to a nice start, undefeated themselves, just uh, haven't played an overly difficult schedule. One more thing on Iowa, one of the big victories they had out at Madison Square Garden was over Oregon. Oregon loses last night to Texas Southern from the SWAC. Texas Southern's been one of the better teams in the SWAC, but still... How bad of a loss is that for Bull Bull and company? Yeah, that one really hurts, guys, especially, again, because Texas Southern, like you said, has a chance to not be not only be a bad loss, but a somewhat decent win if they're able to climb the RPI in their own conference. And, you know, they showed a lack of toughness on the interior Oregon that's definitely glaring. Trayvon Reed, a former Auburn transfer who's thrived at times at Texas Southern, was 9-for-9 nine nine with all dunks. So you look at the loss of Kenny Wooten early for Oregon in that game, and that's something to keep an eye on for the Ducks going forward. There's an interesting game tonight also in Chicago. It's Nevada, who a lot of people, I I don't know about you yet, but I'll ask you that, have penciled in to be a Final Four team uh, against Loyola in Chicago. How do you have this one set up now? I do like this Nevada team quite a bit. They returned most of their core pieces from last year when they did lose to Loyola in the what will be a rematch from the NCAA tournament last year, but I don't quite have them in the Final Four, and I still think they need to prove themselves a little bit on the national stage. Uh, you know, this is going to be a fun matchup. Again, uh, two teams that faced each other in the NCAA tournament last year, but Nevada's got to ultimately prove themselves against the elite of the elite, and that's something that they really haven't been able to do yet. They had the impressive NCAA tournament win over Cincinnati last year, a comeback that's going to be memorable for quite some time. But, you know, their non-conference schedule isn't shaping up to be quite as difficult as anticipated. Loyola's had a couple of early losses. Uh, the USC and Arizona State games have lost their luster. And, you know, this isn't a Mountain West conference that used to be as strong as it was. So, you know, they're really talented in Nevada. I just don't know if they're going to face enough stiff tests that – 
you really see how good they are heading into the NCAA tournament this year. Loyola goes from uh, being the hunter to the hunted, certainly this season. Give us a hit on the MVC as a whole. Loyola came in as favorites, no surprise, this season. But what you've seen out of the conference to this point and expectations, could it be a year where they can do enough here in the non-conference to have a chance to getting multiple teams in? Yeah, there's been some intriguing teams, certainly. Uh, obviously, Loyola's had some slip-ups now that they're the hunted, but some good wins as well. And I think you have to look at the optimism with teams like Bradley and Illinois State getting some wins uh, at some tournaments early on, especially Bradley, where you might be looking at some uh, teams that are vying for a second spot if they're able to go through the Valley with only you know two to three losses. And I think you know this league has the capability where there's a couple teams that could kind of trend in the upward direction, stay on top. I'm looking at you know, the Loyola, Illinois State, Bradley group in particular. But, you know, some of those other teams like Missouri State uh, started to creep into the equation after the tough schedule they played. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, Take me then to uh, the Big 12 and Iowa State uh, with a win last night, predictable win. uh, But they came away from Maui with a 2-1 record after losing the first game to Arizona. Still don't have their best player on the court in Wigington. Uh, They will get two guys back that were suspended. Steve Perlman Company, where do you have Iowa State once they work those guys back into the lineup? I really like the makeup of this team quite a bit, guys. I think in Maui they showed a lot. They had guys who can take over a game at times with Taylor Horton Tucker showcasing himself quite a bit. Michael Jacobson had great two-way flashes and showed a lot of toughness. And Mariel Shiak has also been tremendous so far to start this season. So, you know, a lot of the young guys stepping up so far early on in the year once they get Wigginton back in the equation and start to get some of those other suspended guys into the rotation. This is looking like a very deep team that – could really surprise some people in this Big 12 race this year. We've talked about the depth of the Big 12 from top to bottom in the past, and I think Iowa State certainly expects themselves to be in that NCAA tournament equation there, but I think they should really shoot for a little bit higher than that this year, given if their rotation is complete, because they really have some talent in play here, and they have multiple guys who can take over a game. Scott, as you can imagine, uh, there, there's always a lot of back and forth here in our state between the Big 12 and the Big 10, the Hawkeye and Cyclone fans banning back and forth what is going to be a better conference this season what's the better conference in your mind for 2018-19 the Big 10 or the Big 12 that's a great question because both of them had numerous question marks heading into this year but I think you got to give the slight advantage to the Big 10 at this point you give some of those early road wins to the conference in the way that they've played Michigan trending in the right direction and looking like a really solid top 25 team you have Iowa exceeding expectations And you have teams in the second tier like Purdue with player of the year candidates like Carson Edwards who make it a very, very tough league to work with. Wisconsin's had a resurgence where they just gave number four Virginia a very tough game in the uh, battle for Atlantis. And I think overall the Big Ten is having a little bit of a resurgence season. And when you go to that 20-game conference schedule now like they're going to do this year with conference play beginning next week, and that's going to be really brutal for some of these teams to deal with. Scott, take me then now to the net. And there was uh, like an outcry of, how could this take place? I want the RPI. Can you explain Those it, people please? people are morons, and la- by the way, Jim. Well, I know. The people that were screaming that, that it's just getting started. 
I'm really not too concerned about it yet, guys. Obviously, there's some wonky things about it, some things like Ohio State being number one that are puzzling the common fan, and they very well should because we've done the eye test ourselves after a month of play. We've seen these elite teams play against the elite, and we've seen a lot of these good teams play on a national stage. And I don't think anyone would have Ohio State as their number one team at this point for as good as the Buckeyes have been so far. And uh, there's some silly metrics behind things, but you have to also keep into the fact that we just finished Thanksgiving, and the marquee time for this sport comes in March, and you really can't take these early polls with too much of anything. Conference play hasn't even started yet. We're going to have a lot of injuries and things that go on with programs that change and alter the season, and I still think there's a lot of time to go before we ultimately see this system maybe even itself out and produce some maybe better results than what we see out of this initial poll. And uh, for people that want the RPI back, by the way, the RPI right now, Georgia Southern is the number two team in the country. Loyola yeah. Marymount, everybody's freaking out, was 10th yesterday in the net. They're fifth, and the RPI Radford comes in at number 10. It oh, I love Way too early. Here's the problem, Scott, at least in my mind. Help me out here if I'm all wet, but the NCAA should have either done like the RPI's been in the past and just have it a running scale that continues, and we'll laugh about it early on in the season when things like this happen, like we did with the RPI. But the way they released it, that was the problem because, A, people think it's a poll. It's not a poll. It is a rating system. Completely different. It's predictive in its measure. Secondly, they roll it out there. They come out with a tweet, Ohio State's number one. No, that's not the way. The NCAA screwed it up more than anything. I think that's where the problem is. Just have it like they did with the RPI. People can look at it every day, but know that until we get into late January, into February, the thing is flawed because you have a small sample size. Absolutely, but what you're coming down to ultimately is the NCAA needs to produce attention to its marquee sport and its billion-dollar baby, and that's the NCAA tournament. And by drawing eyeballs to these ratings now, like they did with the college football playoff with their ratings that they do early in the season, they're trying to get more excitement for college basketball's regular season, and subsequently that creates more interest for the NCAA tournament, and that's where the money lies for a lot of these problems. So. I do, I do think it's an issue of the NCA coming out and not maybe unveiling it correctly and maybe wanting some more attention than they deserve for this sort of thing, especially because a lot of people think that it's ludicrous that Ohio State's number one at this point. But you can't really fault them for trying to generate more excitement for a sport that has been called dull during the regular season in the past. Uh, Scott, take me to a couple of other games that are going to be played tonight. And the only reason I have... Uh, somewhat interest in this is because it's Michigan State at Louisville. And I think that we're so ingrained in seeing the Louisville Cardinals as a a powerhouse, uh, basketball-wise. Uh, how long, in your estimation, will it take to rebuild that Louisville team, or can they bring it back to what it once was? Yeah, I think Louisville will be back before you know it. I think Chris Mack is a tremendous coach who knows what he's doing. They have a top-five recruiting class already coming in for next year, and that's one of the best fan bases in all of sports, uh, not even college, all of sports. Uh, the KFC Yum Center is bigger than a lot of NBA arenas, and they draw full houses for low-major, one-big uh, leagues all the time. And they're going to have the fan base, the support, the money coming in where they should have uh, you know, just as many resources as they had in the past to succeed. And I think that Chris Mack is going to be able to coach them into a viable program in the ACC here within the next two or three years. But you know, going to this game tonight, Michigan State's going to be the heavy favorite, but 
going to be a tough environment. It's never easy to win in Louisville. I think that team has a lot of pride, and they do have some intriguing pieces like Jordan Oro who can really get hot and hit some outside shots and get going for the Cardinals. I want to move on to another debate, and that is player of the year. It's early. I mean, we haven't even flipped the calendar to December, but so I, I just re-upped my subscription a week or two ago to Kempom, and I was without it for a couple of days. And then, of course, you know what you got to do. You got to dig back in, and I'm going through here and going on and on and on. And I come across his Ken Pomeroy Player of the Year rating, a system. Why Do you have any idea? I don't know how deep you go into Ken Pom. Why does that system love Ethan Happ so much? Again, he's ahead of Dedrick Lawson, Dedrick Lawson of Kansas, Grant Williams of Tennessee, Zion Williamson of Duke, Bull Bull of Oregon. Why does it love Ethan Happ so much? Do you have any idea? I think it's because he puts up numbers across the board, and he's wholly unique in that he's efficient in multiple aspects of the game. Kind of similar to how we look at fantasy sports or you know maybe numbers on a page different to how a player actually plays the game. Hap is, ju- Hap is just outstanding across the board. I mean, he's averaging 18 and 12 and a half rebounds, but he's also averaging near six assists and two blocks. He's completely rare in the spectrum of college basketball, and he's consistent throughout the board. He's never a guy who maybe puts up that monster 35 and 17 game that you see some of these guys like Diedrich Lawson put up, but he never has a dud game where he's putting up a ton of shots and not making plays either. So I think there's a lot of value into what he puts into the equation, and you know, it's interesting, guys. I talked with him yesterday for a piece that I'm working on for the Basketball Times coming out next month, and just a fascinating work ethic and trajectory that he's had over the course of his four-year career and going to go down as one of the Big Ten greats in terms of his all-time numbers and games played and points and rebounds. Final thing. Uh, I, I thought of you last week when Iowa State was playing Illinois in the uh, in the consolation side of the bracket as I saw Taylor Horton Tucker doing his thing. You see that young group of Chicago kids and what they meant to Iowa State dealing with the injuries and suspensions that they have. You got any more uh, guys you going to kick over to our state? And how much did that <laughs> did that have to dig at Illini fans? I know how much they wanted Taylor Horton Tucker, seeing what he was doing against the Illini. Yeah, Iowa State certainly does uh, deserve quite a bit of praise for the group that they brought in last uh, year for recruiting and specifically from Illinois and the Chicagoland area, and I've said it before on multiple occasions, but they had the best Illinois recruiting class of any school last year, including Illinois and DePaul and Loyola and all these other programs in state that are recruiting quite well right now. So, you know, kudos to that Iowa State staff. They closed on guys early, just like Taylor Horton Tucker being the first high major program to offer him, going after guys like Zion Griffin first and really going all in on George Condit when he became a hot name as well. So, you know, an intriguing young trio of guys that they brought in this year. should be fun to watch how they do for the Cyclones in these coming seasons. So you got any more guys? That, that's the question, though. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't necessarily think right now. No, there's not okay. a lot of guys right. in this class. In the coming classes, yes. And, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, Robinson's ties to the Chicagoland area in the mm-hmm. state of Illinois, I think they'll definitely be recruiting in here soon enough. And uh, his daughter is on her way to play. Well, she's still got another season of volleyball, but she's going to Wisconsin. I think that has to rankle some Cyclone fans. But that aside, good stuff. Hey, Scott, always love catching up with you talking college basketball. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Scott Phillips, NBCSports.com, joining us here 
as we talk some college basketball tonight. ACC Big Ten Challenge continues. We talked about that Loyola-Nevada matchup. Looking forward to that, too. That'll be on ESPN News. Our buddy Jordan Burnfield will be on the call for that one. Iowa Pitt, 8 o'clock ESPNU. You got Virginia Tech at Penn State. I'm intrigued by that game a little bit. Michigan State-Louisville. Wisconsin-NC State. Duke-Indiana. The slate there in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And uh, one other game. What did I miss? Oh, Illinois-Notre Dame. That's the one that I missed, the other matchup in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We're going to get the break when we come back. On the other side, we'll get ready for the night. We'll get some picks, get some thoughts, and a whole lot more as we take you up until 1 o'clock here this afternoon. Then the drive will take you home from 4 until 6. As we continue, it's Jimmy B and TC. On 1700, the champ. All right, uh, our viewing this evening, I think it's pretty obvious that you and I, just like last night, we were locked into the Iowa State game. Uh, tonight, it's going to be the Iowa Pitt game. And I, I think Iowa, if they continue with the way that they are playing right now, I, I'm not going to say they're going to blow them out by 25, but I think they win this game comfortably. Where are you? Yeah, I, I I think so. This is a very young Pittsburgh team. You, you look at this yep. squad, and they're playing a couple of uh, freshmen in prominent roles. I think two, uh, three of their top players are are freshmen. So because of that, it's going to be, I don't know what kind of environment. I don't think it's going to be crazy by any means, but it'll be decent inside of uh, Carver tonight. should be pretty good overall. And the guard play has been good for Pitt up until this point, but they just haven't played great competition. It's not great competition by any means that they played really everybody short of their game. Their last time out against St. Louis on a neutral floor has been against some lower-level competition. This is certainly going to be a step up for them. Xavier Johnson's a guy to keep an eye on, though. He's uh, kind of that stat stuffer, if you will. Leads the team in scoring, leads the team in assists, averages four and a half rebounds a game. He can do a lot. What Iowa can do against a penetrating type of guard, a guy that can also fill it up from the outside. He's 8 of 18 from 3 this year. That's something to keep an eye on, what Iowa does against Johnson and company for Pitt tonight. But yeah, I, I was a better team. They're favoring this game by 12. Earlier today, uh, I was talking with Jason Symbol, myself and Ken from CG Technology. He said that they did take uh, some early money on Pitt when the line came out at 13 and a half. So there is some early money there. I think this is a good point spread, though. I, I really I don't have a great feel. This is, I think, pretty spot on with the guys in Vegas. Um, I think you're right, and I have Iowa winning this game by about 15, which means uh, then that would be a cover for the Hawkeyes. I, I just want to see if and we, you and I both said that this team can score. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if they continue to play, you know, at least a little defense. And that defense has indeed shown up in the two games that we paid close attention to, which was Oregon and UConn. And I want to see if some of that defense uh, comes to fruition again tonight or if they revert back just to trying to outscore their opponent. Yeah, and, and I think we, we've seen that plenty so far out of this Iowa team. They're up to 70th in the country in defensive efficiency. Last year they were at 242, a big step forward in, in that component. Right. They're playing at a good pace. Uh, they're moving up and down the floor. We know they can score. That's never been a problem. They're 14th in the country in that category. But, Jim, this stretch over the next two weeks for Iowa is so huge. Pitt, Friday night against Wisconsin, both games in Carver. Yep. Monday they go to East Lansing to take on the Spartans, and then Thursday the Cyhawk game against Iowa State. They get through this stretch 3-1. and one. They win, say, all the home games and lose the roadie at Michigan State. It's a huge success. 
two and two, okay, but you go one and three, and a lot of those questions are going to crop up again for the Hawkeyes. Uh, they'll crop up if if you don't see any semblance of getting a stop here and there. That's when that's when it'll raise its ugly head again. If they revert back to just casting up threes uh, or you know doing hole defense and letting guys go right to the basket, I'm with you on that. I, I, that's why I think this game is going to be interesting tonight. Just what you referenced, because Pittsburgh does have a quality guard who can get his shot and get to the basket. So that'll be uh, kind of uh, fun to watch there. And no Cordell Pemsel apparently. Yeah. Uh, has, has he? Look, I, I know that he's not getting a lot of minutes anyway, Trent, uh, just because it's so crowded in that position. Um does is is he is his time i mean even if when he comes back is it wasting away well he needs to find a role and what's the role going to be for pencil is it mm-hmm. he comes in and gives you 12 minutes a game of energy and comes off and runs the floor hard rebounds plays some defense you know, that if if he's fine with that role, then you're good to go. But the way this team has played without him, you wonder if those minutes have dwindled. Now, when they ran into foul trouble in the game against Oregon, you know what did we see? We saw Till come out there and give them some pretty good minutes. He went in there, did his yeah. job, played his role, got a couple of big rebounds for the Hawks, and you know Pemsel can do that same kind of thing. He's going to be fine. The, the problem is going to be if he expects more, if he expects to be a guy getting more like 20, 22 minutes a game, and he's not getting that, if that can you know lead to some de- divisiveness, that's something you have to be concerned about. And last time out, it was Alabama State. Again, it's Alabama State. But it was good right, to see yeah. Joe Wieskamp out there shooting the basketball well because he can add a lot to this team offensively just by shooting mm-hmm. the basketball. I'm with you on that. Absolutely. But once again, it was Alabama State. So I I try not to take those games very seriously because you just can't. Uh, But this one uh, tonight is a serious game, and you just reference what they have coming up as well. So now we're going to get a chance to see really kind of what the Hawkeyes are made of uh, as they have a couple of conference games. And look, I can't wait to see how they match up with Whiskey and Ian Happ. And I want to see what happens when they go on the road and have to play a tough Michigan State team uh, with Izzo and company and and see how that all plays out as well. Other games tonight, Illinois-Notre Dame at Notre Dame. You figure uh, the Illini probably not going to be able to get that one for the Big Ten. Here's an intriguing one, though. Vatek going to Penn State. Yes. Sleepy environment, Penn State. Not great by any means. They they have pulled upsets though at home. I, I was interested. The point spread opened up. Penn State was just a one point underdog. Now Vautech favored by four here. Could Penn State pull an upset? Could could you see that happening? It seems like Penn State's got a couple of them every single year out there at Happy Valley. It never fails that they are capable of doing that. But uh, Virginia, have you seen Virginia Tech play? I've seen them play once, and they're impressive. Uh, they can score and get up and down the court, and they can uh, defend in short bursts. So even though the line has moved on that game, I still like Virginia Tech. Uh, I think uh, Buzz Peterson's got this thing turned around, 
and I really think now that they have it going in the in the right direction. I still miss Ace Custis uh, just because of the <laughs> tattoo that he had on his arm because it was the Ace of Spades. I always liked Ace. That that's funny. Earlier today with Ken, I I mentioned Ace Custis, and he said, "Yeah, I think that's the first time that Ace Custis has ever been brought up on the Des Moines airwaves." And you do it here just about an hour later. How about that? <laughs> Absolutely un- unbelievable, Jimmy B. Uh, you can tell our love of college basketball we're both in the same that's vein. right bring it up yes, ace Custis. Are. other games yeah. tonight uh michigan state louisville does Lu- yeah it's at home it's at the K- at the yum center so yeah. you know yeah. it'll be a good environment for that one i don't think they have enough here but it's a road game a true road game you know how difficult those are jimmy b road, road games are difficult louisville is always a uh, a house of horrors for a lot of teams but trendy you and i both know this is a total rebuild and the Cardinals are not what they used to be. And that's why I, I asked that question uh, when we were talking to Scott Phillips. Uh, you know, will they ever get back to that level? And I just, I just find it interesting, you know, how long that, might, that rebuild might take. Or will it be magical and within a year or two they're you know they're right back in the hunt again? That's why I'm going to pay uh, some attention to that Michigan State game tonight, and of course I want to watch it because I want to see as well what Iowa's going to be matched up against in a few days. Well, and of course the big one, Duke, Indiana, fifteen yes. and a half the number in that game in Woo! Cameron Indoor. Romeo Langford going up against that trio of uh, stud freshmen for Duke. That should be fun. Wisconsin gets undefeated NC State. Now, NC State hasn't played an overly difficult schedule, but important one certainly for the Badgers in that matchup there. And, Jim, you you mentioned the uh, other matchup when we were talking with Scott. How about Nevada, the Wolfpack, going into Loyola? We saw it last year in the NCAA tournament on that run from Loyola to the Final Four. Going to be banged out. That thing's been sold out for a while for the matchup in the Gentile Center. Boy, the Wolfpack are playing incredibly. Not only are they winning their games, they've been throttling people, Jim. They have been. And look, uh, I, I was a little surprised when Scott said, well, I didn't have, I'm one of the guys that did not have them penciled into the Final Four. The Final Four, uh, to pencil lot, somebody. I mean, it's it's crazy to pencil anybody into the Final Four. Anybody. Them. And I, I, re- I read you. But, you know, when those uh, way too early polls come out, uh, there were several people that had Nevada getting in as well as Gonzaga. So I, I just I just find it interesting when you watch Nevada play. Look, Musselman, the coach there, has done an absolute incredible job. And I don't know how many people have ever gone to Reno. Uh, I've been there many times. Trent, it is not Las Vegas, trust me. <laughs> but uh, you, it's difficult to get kids to go there and play. The arena hasn't been redone in over a decade, and it's kind of dusty and dirty, and yet he finds ways to, you know, get players that are really good, or at least have potential to be really good in his eyes, to show up there. And they play an exciting brand of basketball as well. So I'll be dialed into that one tonight. This could be a situation where I might have to uh, sit on the stool at the refreshment stand and have four screens going at the same time. Not a bad place to be. Well, we'll be out at G-Migs today for the drive from 4 until 6 o'clock. Stop on out there, and uh, myself and Wolfgang will have our number one. We'll be talking a lot of different things coming up there. Then the Hawkeye huddle from 5 until 6 o'clock with Dave Creighton Jr. and 
Brett Ridge. That's from G-Big. Stop out, say hello. Should be a great time on Steak Night. That does it for the program today, Jimmy B and TC. Thanks, everybody, out there for listening. Tiki and Tierney is next on 1700 The Champ.